0: talking.
1: Like I told a colleague one time, all that got injured was my pride. The problem is I'll recover all too quickly. (laughs) All right. So, Lord willing, this will be our concluding message on Romans chapter 8. Well, I mean, you know, not that there wouldn't be any more messages on it, just that if we get to verse 38, it would be great. Yay. This is uh, entitled The Love of God, and we're going to start... Say again. It's one of my favorite things. One of your favorite things. Amen. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He called, He also justified, and those whom He justified... He also glorified this is where we landed last we met last week and then he says what shall we say to these things that's the start of romans 8 31 well what shall we say to these things hallelujah amen so i i thought perhaps just a quick reminder of some Roman 8 things would be nice what are we going to say about these things what, what things are we talking about how about no condemnation in christ freedom from sin and death christ in you Life-giving spirit, resurrection power, spirit of adoption, the witness of the Spirit, fellow heirs with Christ, the hope of glory, the Spirit's intercession for the saints, foreknown and predestined to be in Christ's image, and called, justified, and glorified. I mean, what exactly are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, God is for us, may I ask you, is God for you? Yes. Is God for you? And so, the answer is yes, it's kind of rhetorical, I mean, it's not even the question, the question isn't if God is for us, the question is who could be against us, but when we talk about God being for us, I, I, I think about uh, Lincoln's inaugural address, second inaugural address, which I think is a, is a piece of national prophecy, really, and, and a paraphrase of it is, both sides claim to pray to the same God. And the answer isn't whether God's for us, is are we for God? (laughs) That's a paraphrase, right? Lincoln said it much better. But I want to give you a a different angle on this, is God for us? It's not God's for you, as in every cause you think is good, God's going to back you. It's not this popular culture idea of God's in your corner, regardless of what you're up to, although... It is. (laughs) But I just want to give you a little view of this for. For is the Greek preposition uber. Not uber. If you heard uber, you might. Um, Transliterated h-u-p-r p-e-r and Bulger defines uh, defines it as such. Over and separate from Here only with the genitive, on behalf of, as though bending over to protect. Thank you, Lord. As uh, bending over to protect. It's the Greek preposition from which we get our our English uh, prefix or word, super, super, (laughs) super, over, right? Pretty Super.
0: So maybe, instead of saying super duper, we should say super-oooper. super <laughs> <laughs>
1: If God is for us, if God is bending over to protect you, who can be against us? That against is kata, a pressing down against. If God is bending over to protect you, who can actually prevail in their antagonism to press you down? Well, what's the answer? I mean, that is regrettable. They
0: can be aggressive, but <laughs> not prevail.
1: No, I mean, if, if God is bending over to protect us, no one can stand against us. Or, really, no one can stand against Him. You know? As uh, Gamaliel said, (laughs) God forbid we should be found fighting against God if these men are called from God, right? Romans 8, verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? I think it's carizomai, graciously give us, to freely give us, to favor us. He didn't spare His own Son. The very God who didn't withhold the life of His Beloved for our benefit, exactly what is it He's going to withhold for your good? Nothing. I mean, the trump card has been laid down. I don't mean that in any kind of political way at all. I mean it as a reference to the game of, well, spades or clubs or... Maybe even bridge, though. I don't play bridge. He did not reserve his beloved from you. He freely gave him. What is he going to withhold? Now, I'm reading out of the ESV, and I'm going to start in verse 32 again and read through verse 34 as they've translated an the English Standard Version, which very much reflects what's in the King James. He who did not spare his own son that gave him up for us, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Okay? So, this is the English punctuation. And punctuation is a part of our language. So, though question marks and periods and commas and semicolons and colons aren't aren't considered words, they're part of our syntax, they're part of our language. And they give nuance to speech and reflect Uh, emphasis and rhetorical devices. Well, there's a figure of speech uh, called ellipsis. Now, we reflect ellipsis in writing uh, as a punctuation. It's three periods or four periods depending on whether you're from Chicago or the American Press Association. That's a real geek joke right there. Um, (coughs) But (laughs) again, at least one thumbs up from a fellow geek thank you <laughs> so ellipsis is a is an omission and th- this ellipsis in romans 8 is the omission of the verb form supplied by the previous that's the simplest way i could say it so that verse 31 really gives us the rhythm of this rhetorical device in this letter, and who shall not, who, who did not, he who did not spare his own son that gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him graciously give us all things, okay? So then we just roll into the next, I just want to read it to you with the nuance or the emphasis provided by the figure of speech in the Greek, because the punctuation, well, that's part of our language, not the language it was translated from. Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? You see the difference in nuance? The question? Who's going to condemn? The very one who's interceding for you? Who's going to bring a charge against you? God who justified you? No. No, if God's for you, if God bent over to protect you, if God provided His only begotten Son for your benefit, if God, who supplied you with the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, set you free from sin, refuses, you to, refuses to condemn you in Christ because Christ paid the price, who adopted you through His Spirit, who cries out through His Spirit, Abba, Father, the very God of, of the creation, God who created the heavens and the earth, who reserved it in the pain of entropy, just so he could release his magnanimity through the manifestation of the sons whom he glorified, who he foreknew and predestined, that God is going to condemn you? That God is going to withhold something from you? That Lord who died for you and was risen again, who lives inside you and intercedes for you in the power of the end of his life, he's going to condemn you? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus who died, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered." I believe this is a reference out of Psalm 44, and in that Psalm, I don't believe the psalmist got an answer to his complaint, but God answered the complaint. Psalm 44. O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us, what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but then, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arms save them. But your right hand and your arm, in the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God. <clears throat> you are my king, O God. Ordained salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through, you, through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually. We will give thanks to your name forever. Salah. It's a good reflection. And so the psalmist recalls the goodness of God in the past and all that God has accomplished in His redemptive purposes through His people and how through God we overcome and how through God adversity is put down how through God all things are supplied. And then he wakes up from this reflection with the biggest thought interrupter in life. B-U-T, but. But you have rejected us. And disgraced us, and have not gone out with with our armies. You've made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoiled. You have made us like sheep for slaughter, and have scattered us among the nations. You've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. The sound of the taunter and reviler at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you. We have not been false to your covenant. Our our heart hasn't turned back, nor, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals, and covered us with the shadows of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself! Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust and our belly clings to the ground. Rise up and come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Now... I know it's not really popular to admit that you might have had feelings like this, but I submit to you that <coughs> the 44th Psalm is as real a prayer as it gets. I mean, they're all <laughs> God-inspired documentation of true prayer life. God, I acknowledge what You have done. You are the miracle-working God. You have parted the waters. You subdued the enemy. And like Job, the psalmist retains his integrity. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't worshipped the false idol. I haven't turned around. So why are we in such straits? Are you sleeping? Where are you? That struggle is real. It's
0: easy for us to apply human characteristics to God. Are you angry at me? Are, are you having a bad day? Are you having, yeah, where'd you
1: go? Yeah. And, and see, so, we know theologically, and, and we may be inclined as, um, pardon the phrase, Christian cheerleaders to remind ourselves, well, that's not the true nature of God. God doesn't sleep. God doesn't go away. But we have to be, we have to be real about the human experience. Just because an emotion is uncomfortable doesn't make it wrong. Just because where you find yourself in life is constraining doesn't make your experience a sin. (laughs) And I think sometimes, and let me just rephrase that, I know in my life as a Christian believer and as a minister, I have been guilty of trying to talk people out of their real pain, instead of having compassion with them. That I've been guilty of perhaps trying to find fault, why people find themselves in a straight place, instead of acknowledging that we all live in a pretty broken place. I've been guilty of not recognizing that God is good and God is love and God is real, and I can feel far away from Him even when I'm not trying to run away from Him.
0: Yes, sir. So you open this door, but if you if, if you if you have more to read, I'll wait.
1: I have more to read, but I'm not going to wait. You're not going to wait. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> so I thought that was really fascinating, and I'm like. Why didn't I ever see this before? What's interesting about this psalm is is that David is making the claim that basically we didn't turn to other gods. It is, this is not on us, God. And now, to whatever extent that's true, it's hard to say because you know maybe who listen. David was a man. How do we know he didn't have some spin in there? He wasn't he wasn't Jesus, right? So he may have been you know painting a certain way. But my point is this. If you look at the Old Testament, you look at the Jews and how God dealt with them, the Israelites, sorry. Um, there. So that demonstrates there are two classes of affliction. There was the times when clearly God caused them to go off and to be in captivity because they had caused his name to be profane among the heathen, and they had every bit of it coming. But here's David saying, wait a minute, but we didn't do that. So what is this other class of affliction? That's his real question. We... We didn't meet the requirements for being afflicted as a nation. What's going on here? And and you you, you humbly acknowledge that sometimes we want to just sort of fix people. <clears throat> and and but you know, I, I, we got some eye connection, and you know, because I I've, I've struggled with this very problem like for the last several years. Oh my like, God, I have tried to do everything right. Why is my life miserable? And and I, I was listening to a sermon today, and I just want to, I, I, I wasn't even going to share this, but I wrote it down, and now I'm going to share it. Uh, and this is Spurgeon, because um, I'm enjoying this. But he talks about people, he's talking about people who suffer in, in depression and affliction and sort of irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. And at one point in it, he talks about, like, have you ever tried to counsel a a, a woman who won't be comforted, you know, who mm-hmm. just goes on and on, nothing you can say. He talks about it at one point, there, but that's not what he's saying here. But he says, he says, talking about the affliction, he says, there, this is the class of affliction that has nothing to do with, you weren't worshipping idols, God just chose to do a work in your life. He says, there are great benefits to come of these severe trials and depression. There is a need to be that for a season we should be in heaviness, David. <clears throat> You cannot make great soldiers without war, or train skillful seamen upon shore. It appears necessary that if a man is to become a great believer, he must be greatly tried. If he is to be a great helper of others, he must pass through the temptations of others. If he is to be greatly instructed in the things of the kingdom, he must learn by experience. And if he is to be a loud singer of the tune of Sovereign Grace, he must the deep calling of deep unto deep, the noise of God's water spout. The uncut diamond has little brilliance. The unthreshed corn feeds none. and so the untried professor of a small is of small practical use or beauty. Many have a comparatively smooth pathway through their life, but their position in the church is not that which the experienced believer occupies. Neither could they do this work among the afflicted. The man who is much plowed and often harrowed may thank God if the result of it is a larger harvest to the praise and glory of Jesus. The time shall come when you whose faces are now covered with sorrow, when you shall bless God for your sorrows. The day will come when you shall set much store by your losses and your crosses, your troubles and your afflictions, counting them happy to endure, for From all of your afflictions, His glory shall spring, and the deeper your sorrows, the louder you'll sing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm done. Yeah. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. So I think that good. went well. What you were yeah. saying. Yeah. And and so the 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 psalmist, the the reality to pull away from. I mean, there's plenty of realities, but there's many truths to pull from this. But the the psalmist, and and whether it was just one of the sons of Korah or day, I don't. You know, whoever whoever penned it under the auspices of the Holy Spirit even though he's saying things like this, is still bringing it to God. He is bringing to God's remembrance what God has done. He is being bold. This is what it means to be bold in the throne of grace, right? He's being plain-faced in, this is my experience and this is my complaint. This is my expectation. This is where we should be. And so trust is being laid at God's feet regardless of my outcome experience.
0: Because the alternative is David turns his back on God. Yeah, the alternative
1: is to to turn away. And so, um, awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up and come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of... ...of your steadfast love. This prayer was not unanswered. This prayer was fully answered... ...because all the promises of God and Jesus are yes and amen. And it is one of the perspectives of prayer that we need to understand... ...is that we as (laughs) saints, we as redeemed ones, are part of a continuum. Part of God's unfolding plan of redemption... ...and our cries and prayers... Oftentimes get answered in our lifetime, but there are cries and prayers that perhaps don't get answered until it's somebody else's lifetime. Because his redemption stretches beyond, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how shall he not, with him, graciously give us all things? Graciously give us all things. This. Uh, this is where word studies can be fun and you know all is a all's a big word you know what were all things that God gives us so this is not a um, a carte blanche license to ask for anything you desire in life it, it behooves us as saints to to meditate on what all these things are that God gave to us freely, graciously. So, just some verses where this Karizomai shows up. Um, Luke 7, 21. In the same hour, He cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, He gave sight. You know, we worship the God who heals today. And... He, he gave, He freely, graciously gave sight, gave healing. You know, sometimes in ministering healing, you have to. You need to walk through with people um, what the causes were. You need to unchain them from, from uh, bad habit patterns or, or ancestral curses or demonic oppression. As Jesus did in this, He delivered them from evil spirits. But we need to understand that God's healing as presented through Jesus miraculously wasn't on a payment plan. You know, well, if 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 you behave a certain way, then I'll be gracious and heal you. You probably haven't had your healing because fill in the blank. You didn't read your Bible enough, you didn't pray enough, you didn't fast enough, you didn't whatever. Okay. Guess what? Those disciplines are necessary, <laughs> but you can't earn God's graciousness. He freely gives it. He freely gives it.
0: What I keep imagining from this verse, I think it's really good. I, I appreciate you showing this because I've never seen this before. I think about it like a king of a land, and you're outside the land, and and but because Jesus died, now you can come into the land. You can come into the kingdom. And and and, and if, if the son died just so you could come into the land, then. Is He going to bring you into the land and not allow you to have a place to live? Is He going to bring you into the land and not allow you to eat of the land? Is He going to bring you into the land and not allow you to have a work, a job? Uh, and, and is He going to bring you into the land and not allow you to be a contributor to that society? I mean, it doesn't even make sense, right?
1: Right. It's uh, uh, another analogy which is the Scripture itself is making is is that having been set free, are you still going to live like a slave? Yeah. You
0: know?
1: right. <laughs> um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Holy Spirit tells us of the things that God freely gives us. Well, justification, righteousness, glorification, sanctification. These are things that God freely gave us Things He says He's not putting on us. Condemnation. So if you have condemnation and you're blaming the Holy Spirit, you've confused shame with conviction and prompting. You've allowed some other voice to come in that you've ascribed to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds you of the things that God has freely given you. Mm 2 Corinthians 2.10 to whom you forgive, karitsomai, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Forgiveness, this this karitsomai is is translated um, forgive, let me see, I love this uh, blue letter Bible because it gives you all kinds of stats and I'm a self-admitted geek. Out of its 23 uses, it's translated forgive 11 times. Freely give twice. Frankly forgive once. Forgiveness is a real portion of what this Karitsa is about. How can we, who have from Heavenly Father's hand, freely received the gift of His only begotten Son, for the forgiveness of our sins, be stingy? about forgiveness how can we hold debts that translate to bitterness and poverty when we have been so graciously given life and liberty in christ jesus so that if i forgive anybody and and here in second corinthians it's almost i would I would apply this to what we call um, uh, taking up offenses, you know, where Paul writes to the church and says, well, if you forgive them, I forgive them too, and if I forgive them, I forgive them in Christ's name. That is, that is the, the antidote to, I can't believe she treated you like that, I hate her.
0: Right, <laughs> that's hugely empowering. It sounds like that verse. Is it the same thing? He says, "Whoever, whosoever sins, you remit; they are remitted." It's the same principle. It's the same Absolutely. idea. So it's like, that is, that it's, is pretty huge. It is. It's like because if you're Jesus, like, well, gee, if 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 Carrie's gonna forgive Abel, well, then how can I not forgive him? If Carrie's willing, yeah, I mean, if Carrie's gonna show me up on forgiveness. No way, <laughs> you know. So wow, that's powerful. So. So, so instead of bitterness, we can show forgiveness, and it's very empowering, because now we're his proxy. We are, we are causing forgiveness to happen to that person. Amen. Absolutely. Ooh. And then the reverse is Thank you. you like I appreciate watch. that. I'll, I don't know you did, Jesus, but I forgive Because Jesus might get on you if you don't know. i Wow, that's really amazing. I never really understood that verse. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How can Peter forgive sins? That doesn't make sense. But now it does make sense.
1: Ephesians four thirty-two. I'm just giving you a sampling. I'm not going to read all twenty-four uses. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving. Philippians 1.29 for for unto you it is given for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him how gracious is God He even freely gives me the ability to believe in Christ who sets me free <laughs> what a good God not only to believe on Him but also to suffer for His sake oh wait a minute I don't like that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he allows this experience for his purposes. And um, if I think that to whatever degree we do actually suffer for Jesus, and I recognize that that is very difficult in our culture because we are so pampered. Um, but to the degrees that, that we do, if we really had a glimmer of how God intends to repay us in that, that our our whining would be severely minimized.
0: Um, yeah, to, your, to your point, we are very pampered. But, and our, our problem is really something on the other end of the spectrum, which is bitterness and resentment, which is rampant. And But what's really interesting to me is, um, you know, a lot of Christians complain about, you know, that it's no different than being in the world, I think. But you know, the concept of forgiveness It unifies him with me, it unifies me with him, it creates, if I don't feel close to Jesus, in one respect, all I have to do is find somebody to forgive and that's a unifying force between him and me, if I'm able to receive it. All right. Sorry. No, you're good. I, I'm talking you're too good. much. I'll be quiet. Yeah, no,
1: you're
0: good. You're good. You're yeah. good. He's going to tell you what Colossians two thirteen, <laughs> and you being dead in your
1: sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Colossians three thirteen, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, my <laughs> you so also do you do ye. And then finally, even one twenty two. Well, not finally. No, we'll read that one anyhow. So you see. The power of of forgiveness that God has worked through His Son and how He has enriched us to be priests of forgiveness, if you will. (laughs) That, That what we have freely received that we may freely give. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God who justifies? Who's to condemn? Christ who died? More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword... As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So in this rhetorical device of, of Hebraic teaching, I am referring to the part to bring your mind to the whole. Well, all, all that nakedness and peril and the sword is all that experience that the nation was going through and... and God being experientially absent. They are being pushed away by their enemies. They're being ground down. Where are you, God? We're like sheep for the slaughter. Well, Romans is asking whether sword or peril could separate you from God's love. Romans is not saying that God's love is going to separate you from sword and peril. We get the thing reversed sometimes. See, God is saying that the principalities and powers can't separate you from His love. He's not saying that you're not going to wrestle against principalities and powers. How in the world we thought a wrestling match would be absent agony and pain, I have no idea. Have you ever wrestled? Made someone cry uncle? Been made to cry uncle? Why did you cry, Uncle? <laughs> because it hurt. Because your uncle's a big guy. <laughs> right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In in terms of hand-to-hand human combat, wrestling is probably one. has got to be the most intense physical confrontation one can face. Grappling is difficult. In any martial arts training you ever get into, everyone says either get good on your ground game. Or run because if you get in a tussle you will wind up on the ground. So it's not all kicks and punches. Sooner or later somebody grabs somebody and then it's a matter of whether or not you can get away. Well we are told point-blank we are in a wrestling match. The wrestling match can't separate us from the love of God. And in love God has us in the wrestling match we need to see God's pervasive love in all of our experience. In all of our experience. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37 is the is the kabang answer, the reality of the answer to this prayer. No! No! <laughs> No, 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 in all these things, what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, in all of these things, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Uper, Nikeo, I didn't wear my Nikes today, I wore some other brand of shoe. Uper is that word we've already seen over, above, super, Nikeo, Nike, conquer, part of my name, Nicholas, right? Um, super conquerors. Super conquerors. In my own strength, in my own coolness, in my own intelligence, in my own wealth, and in and, and my own faith, in my own ability, in my... No. Through Him who loved us. If the sword comes, and I believe it's because God hates me, overcoming is difficult. If sickness comes, and I believe it's because God is punishing me, I accept that I'm a victim and not a victor in Christ. If in my negative experience, so, you know, my several struggles this week. I I prayed for my son. I was reflecting on my siblings. And the thought I wrote down was, you know, I know a lot of dead people. Sometimes it gets to me. If in my experience of life, I decide to take it as evidence of God's absence instead of receiving the faith He gives me in Christ, To recognize God's love, I will acquiesce to being victimized instead of experiencing Christ's victory over sin, death, and the grave. But if in all of my experience, I through faith embrace my loving Father and what it is that He is teaching me, And how it is, He's going to carry me through, to, and beyond. And this is the beyond part, the hope part of this whole thing that we talked about before. If I understand that, then I won't push away from the love of God. That's part of resisting the Holy Spirit. That's an aspect. When you push away from the love of God, trust me, you are resisting the Holy Spirit. Because... The love of God is, is, is shed through our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Am I communicating? Is this coming through? No, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure, <laughs> I am certain, <laughs> thank God Almighty, I am certain that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including me. (laughs) Most especially me. Even when I lie to myself and may think God doesn't love me. Even when I lie to myself and say that I am unloved. God still loves me. I can't move myself out of His hand. That's a good thing. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is how epic How marvelous, how magnanimous our new birth was. When Jesus said, You've seen and believe, blessed are those who haven't seen but believe. You weren't there when he was baptized, you didn't see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, you didn't watch as Jesus of Nazareth fed the multitudes delivered them from demonic oppression, raised the dead, and healed the sick. You didn't watch as they nailed his hands to the board. You didn't observe as the world went dark and he said it was finished. You weren't hiding in a room, scared of persecution, when he came to the wall and said, hello, it's okay, I'm here. You didn't stand on the mountain and watch the shekinah glory of God carry him up to heaven. You didn't even get a second-hand witness when those who didn't know him came into your community and told you about the Messiah. You didn't get a letter from one of his apostles that said, hey, this is what Jesus was like. You didn't even get to be born in a culture that read his words written in the original language. And yet somehow, centuries downstream, you heard the word of Christ and faith arose in your heart and you said, yes, Lord, I believe. And God said, never, ever, 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 ever now will you ever get away from my love. Mine forever. That Love. That, that'll carry you through. <laughs> that, that'll bring a bright day. Amen. The sheer sure knowledge that nothing under all creation could separate you from the love of the Creator of the heavens and the earth who bought you with the blood of His only beloved Son. That's why it's called the gospel, because that, that is hot good news. Amen? Amen? Amen.